how can I blend something that I actually do enjoy and bring that into what I'm actually doing? And so I would challenge each and every one of you listening to this. How can I bring more of the things that I really enjoy into that which I do for work, you know, in, 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 the, in the sales role in a way that would allow me to generate an even greater point of difference with the relationships that I have. Welcome to Outside Sales Talk, where we meet with industry experts to learn the strategies and tactics that make them successful. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and I've helped thousands of salespeople all over the world crush their quota. Today, I'll help you crush yours. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, I've got Cameron Brown with us, and we're going to be talking about high-performance strategies for field salespeople. By way of introduction, Cameron empowers people to create lasting change. He does this through executive coaching and training for C-level executives, sales leaders, and their teams. He delivers experiential talks with a grand piano live on stage and writing music about human behavior and the world we live in. As a result, Cameron has been featured in the media all over the world, spoken at events all over the world, and his, uh, his music has been streamed millions of times across 195 countries and been uh, featured in a range of short films and documentaries. Um, Cameron, okay, really, really excited to have you on the show today. I'm really excited to hear your, your message for salespeople. Um, thanks for coming on. Hey, great to be here, man. I appreciate it. So you talk a ton about motivation, and you're obviously you know, a, leader, a thought leader in this field. Tell me, how, how can field salespeople motivate themselves? What, what are your tips and tricks there? Yeah, it's, uh, whenever I'm working with a client, and, and they come to me and say, right, I need to get myself motivated. I, I'm, I'm struggling with motivation. Uh, stripping that back, usually they're lacking, not, it's not really motivation, but inspiration. Uh, what I mean by that is if you think about motivation, you think about the type of energy that is, it's like a push type energy. I've got to push myself to make those follow-up calls. I've got to push myself to get out there um, and, and yeah, hunt more. I've got to push myself on a personal level to get to the gym. Um, it's push type energy. And there's only a, a certain amount of energy that I can expend until a point where I need to replenish some energy. And so if I'm expending, 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 just like if I'm pumping some weights, then there's only a certain amount of reps that I can do before I end up burning out. And so what I say is when it comes to motivation, yes, motivation is a great thing to have at certain times when you've just got to get stuff done. Um, there are some times where you just don't want to do stuff and you've just got to, you know, you've got to find the motivation to make that happen. But the process I usually take people through is a, a chunking up process. So chunking up from, let's say you're making those calls, but you're dreading making that, making that follow-up call, um, you know, because you went out, you follow up with someone and then, you know, they didn't, they didn't answer your calls when you got back to the back there and, you know, there's something going on, but you don't know what it is exactly. Um, so you maybe don't want to actually follow up anymore, but you've got to follow up because otherwise you're not going to get the sale. Um, maybe it is that you've got to go out there, but you don't really want to go back out there. Um, these little mind tricks that happen is chunk up a couple of levels and go, well, for what purpose am I actually doing this in the first place? Yeah. Well, maybe it's to solve a specific challenge for the client and you know that you've got a great solution to the problems that they have. And then you go, okay, and, and for what purpose do I want to do that? Because it makes their life easier. Now you're starting to feel better about it. Well, if I make their life easier, what does that mean? Well, it means I'm doing my job really well. If I'm doing my job really well, what does that mean? Well, I get paid more. Well, if I get paid more, what does that mean? I can provide more for my family. Oh, all of a sudden, I've got a reason now that I'm going to go out and make that happen. 
it's like inspiration rather than motivation being a push type energy. Inspiration is almost like a pull type energy. I'm being pulled along by the purpose as to the reason why I'm out there doing it in the first place. For some people, it's family. Other people, it's impact. Other people, it can just be money. Um, whatever it is for you, find what that is. Uh, find the purpose behind it, chunk up to a sense of purpose. And that's what's going to lead you usually to be able to then go out and do the things that you might've otherwise had to really try and get the motivation for. Chunk up. I, I haven't heard that phrase before. So it's kind of like zoom out to see the big picture of the value you're bringing for people and the value that you will receive for bringing that value to those people. And that helps you kind of get, pulled into into uh being engaged and feeling inspired love it yeah it's uh you know if you go from detail to big picture detail to abstract and uh some people are better at the detail some people are better at the bigger picture if you stay too long in the bigger picture you don't get anything done if you stay too much in the detail you lose a sense of purpose you need to find a blend of both of those and everyone's different as to how much they need of each but finding what that is for you and then get yourself out if you need to get out get yourself back in if you need to go back in Chunk up would be a great uh, a great title for a book. You coming out with a book ever, anytime soon? Maybe it's, uh, it's people are asking me more and more about it, and uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, that that's I think it's a sign for yeah I should do that. It's uh, there's other priorities at the moment, but uh, yeah, sometime in the near future maybe. It's a good title. If I, I'll, I'll credit you in you know if, you know in, in the start of the book dedicated dedicated to Steve. <laughs> <laughs> this title of the book's dedicated to Steve. You don't, have to title, you don't have to get the whole book to me. Just, you know, just, just yeah, the title, yeah. you know, just, yeah, just the title, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So what do you think holds field salespeople back from finding inspiration? Uh, first up, I would say actually understanding why you're doing it in the first place, because as, as good as the money can be, you know, in, in sales roles and, you know, there's some great money that can be made in that. Usually there's a reason why you're wanting to make that money. And if it's, if it's only about the money, then sometimes you can end up uh, maybe taking advantage of your clients just to get the sale over the line. And that can be out of integrity with your own self, um, which can have implications down the road. And so I'd say a big part of this is, is have and understand the reason, the purpose, the meaning behind why you're actually doing this role. Um, for some people who have got a young family, that could be a big part of this. Um, others could be that, you know, you absolutely believe in this product that you're selling and you know that it can do good in the world. So some people can be more about impact. Other people can be more tangible in terms of the, the things that they're wanting to achieve with the money that they're actually making out of the back end of this. But if you're, if you haven't got that larger reason, then one, the thing that I mentioned before about chunking up, you're going to have a real struggle and a real challenge about doing that. And when, when you're up against a real challenging situation, you need to be able to get, you need to have a purpose that's bigger than your problems because there's going to be, problems that come up, problems that arise, um, you know, we're, we're being exposed to a, a number of them right now, um, as are we at any time, uh, sometimes more than others. You've got to have a purpose that's bigger than those problems that you're experiencing. I remember one of my mentors once saying, what was it? Um, 
it's not about getting rid of the problems. It's about becoming the person you need to be to deal with the problems as they arise. Um, and I love that because a, a lot of people can complain or be judgmental or blame about the situation that they're in versus rising above it and generating the resourcefulness to be able to do that. To be able to do that, you've got to be inspired in the first place. Otherwise, you're going to succumb to the challenges that come your way. Um, that's what I'd share there. Absolutely. And, you know, what, what about a, on a more day-to-day basis? Do you have any, any thoughts or, or tips for salespeople who, um, you know, halfway through the day just might, might want to put a little zip in their step or, uh, you know, a lot of people, I mean, and to give perspective here, it's now mid-May of 2020. So we're right, right in the middle of the COVID crisis. A lot of people, yeah. I think, in sales are finding themselves in a situation where they're, they're digging through the couch cushions, looking for quarters in, term, in terms of their sales. They're reaching back out to old leads. They're, they're doing a lot, of, a lot more cold calling than, than they were. The, the, yeah. the, lead, the, the activity, activity is the same, but the results are, are lessened. And I think that's, that's really, that can be really challenging for people to stay motivated and inspired under those types yeah. of circumstances. Um, are there, are there, daily tips or, or tricks that you have that, that someone could just like give them, take them a couple minutes and give themselves a little boost? Yep, definitely. So we'll go on maybe on the, both the tactical and the behavioral side, because I think both are, both are important here. On, on the behavioral side, there's a, a, a strategy that I use with clients called the focus switch, which is, you know, if you find yourself halfway through the day and you've made X, tried making X amount of cold calls, and you've only gotten through to maybe 1% of, of those, those people can start weighing on you into feeling a little disheartened and going, oh man, is this really worth it? And so in that moment, what your, your focus is on something that you're not wanting to experience. Yeah, oh, I don't want to make that next call. You know, this focus switch is, well, I noticed that I'm focusing on something that I'm not wanting to experience right now. What is it that I am wanting to experience? And what's one action that I can take towards that which I am wanting to experience? And so it could be, well, I'm feeling down about the calls that I'm you know, frustrated about the calls I'm wanting to make right now. Okay, switch of the focus. What, what am I wanting? Well, I'm wanting to continue making calls. What's one thing that I could take a step towards right now that would lead me towards taking, you know, getting that outcome that I want? And so this is where the tactical side comes in because it's important that you take a step right there and then because if you don't, you'll find yourself slipping back. Yeah? You'll find yourself coming back to a, a level because what you're wanting there is because you're feeling uncomfortable, you're wanting to feel comfortable again. Um, but nothing exciting really happens out in, you know, inside of your comfort zone. And so we want to get yourself back out there. And so a couple of things that you can do. One, if you're in a, uh, one of the best ways to change your state psychologically is change your state physiologically. Um, so get up and move. Um, it could be as simple as going for a walk. Um, it could be, you know, if you're a pump up kind of guy or, or gal, uh, you know, pump some music on for, for a period of time. Uh, you know, get, you know, if, you, if you've been in a, in a chair where you've been wallowing a little, it's like, you know, get out of the wallowing chair, you know, call it, call it as it is. You know, this is a wallowing chair. Like, I'm going to give myself another chair, man. Like, get yourself another chair. Like, the, the more fun that you can have with it, the, the more likely you are to change it and also the more likely you are to, to, to change your state, yeah? Um, because in the moment of, of feeling down about what you're having to do, yeah, it, it is a 
whether it's a depressive kind of state or an anxious kind of state, not saying you are depressed or anxious, but you could have those kinds of feelings going through you at that time. You want to spice it up a little bit and make it a little fun. Um, so finding those things, those things that can allow you to get back on track. And this is where you can reverse engineer and you can say, well, when was a time when I felt like I was on fire? All right. What was I thinking? What was I doing? How was I standing? Yeah. Was I standing? Was I sitting down? Was I in a specific location? Get yourself into those types of environments. I know for me personally, with uh, from a creativity point of view, for example, uh, you can't see it, but like just just over to the side here is a is a beautiful grand piano in my living in the living room that I'm in here. Uh, one part, one big part of that I know is create having a physical space. Absolutely, that's conducive to my own creativity and writing new music. Uh, but secondly, is a psychological space. So every single uh, Sunday or Saturday sometimes, but usually Sundays, I have completely away from technology and completely away from time. Um, I have no idea what time it is for the entire day. And it's amazing for my creativity and it's amazing for myself to recharge as well. Yeah. So that's a couple of things for me personally that I find really great for me being able to get into my best state. Every single person listening into this is going to have different ways in which they feel pumped up, in which they feel down, it's about understanding what are they for me, write them down. Because then what you can have is you can have them, this is another tactical piece, have a nice little piece of paper, uh, have it you know, stuck onto your laptop if that's where you're, you know, you're calling and you're in front of your laptop, is actually have that next to you. And anytime that I notice my energy dropping, here's five things that I can do that can spike my energy back up rather than you know, grabbing an a unhealthy piece of food, for example, um, or, you know, wallowing in my self-pity really interesting thoughts there you know it's it's funny uh i'm never aware of what time it is like uh and and uh, and i'm a pretty relaxed person overall and i wonder if that's got something to do with it i've always just thought i was bad with time but like i basically just look at my phone in the morning and i've been doing this my whole career um i used to do a little alarm but now i do it with a phone because it's got a built-in alarm and i just set all my 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 phone you know has an alarm three and one minute before every single one of my meetings all day. Yeah. And so, cause the three minute one kind of gives me a, Oh, you, you got to get off the call you're on or, you know, get ready to get on the, another call in three minutes. And then the one minute's like, okay, so, you know, you can be sitting down and, you know, making a phone call or walking into a, a, a meeting room or whatever it is. And uh, today is zoom. Um, but yeah, I'm never, I'm never, other than that, which just tells me, oh, now is the time. But I don't really think about what time it is. I just know my phone's ringing and I know I have to, and it tells me what the next thing I have to do is. But I never think about time except in the, the morning when I transfer my calendar into the, the alarm system for two minutes. Other than that, it's like, I don't really do time. <laughs> what, what, I, what I love about what you shared is, is your, and this is a, I think it's a good thing to mention here, is you're relying on a system rather than your memory. And, you know, to be able to have a robust system for follow up and follow through with what it is that you need to execute on, um, either inside or outside when you're out and able to go, you know, to more, to more sites, um, but maybe it's inside now, the more that you can rely on a system, but the key here is you've got to have a system that's working, like a rock solid system, for follow up and follow through. If you don't have that, then you can be relying on your system all your life. But if you're not actually utilizing it pro properly and effectively, then you're going to let yourself down. Same on the other end of the spectrum. You know, your, the reality is your memory isn't scalable. 
and it's not that reliable. It can be reliable some of the time. And I remember there was a guy I, I used to host, uh, had done a, for a number of years, host uh, dinners and lunches in different cities around the world. Don't think I've done them in nine cities across three countries. And there was one in Australia that I did. Um, this is going back a number of years ago now. And this guy came up to me afterwards because I talked at the end of the lunch about the importance of follow-up going forward from here. Yes, you've met some great people, um, some high quality people, but it's in the follow-up and the follow-through. That's where the opportunities are going to be to collaborate, to do business together. And this guy came up to me, young, young dude, younger than me. I said, oh, you know, thanks for the lunch. Really appreciate it. Uh, I, I, I love that I've got, you know, I've got that follow-up process taken care of. And I, and I thought, all right, let's, let's see where this goes. Uh, he's only just starting, start, starting a business. He was a guest of one of my, one of my uh, people that I invited. And I said, okay, so I'm, I'm interested. Uh, fill me in. With the follow-up process that you have, if you now have an extra 500 or 1,000 people that you've got to keep personal touch with, can you handle it? And you know, his face just changed automatically. He said, oh, no, I said, yeah, your memory just hasn't reached capacity yet. Yeah? yeah, give it a little bit of time. And you're, once you've reached capacity, your memory will let you down. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, this is an eye-opening conversation for me. And obviously, you know, you, with, given what you do and, and who you are, like, I'm, not, I'm not shocked that I would have an eye-opening conversation with you. But um, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I, I'm, I'm wondering if some of the, my motivations for starting my company were were kind of based in this uh, in the way I feel about time and the way I don't like I don't like having to keep it top of mind and I don't like planning like I don't like planning in the real time I like executing like I like to have built a plan and then just be able to execute and do the next thing and I used to hate in outside sales when I'd have you know six meetings in a day and I was and I, there, there needed to be a very tight plan. I needed to coordinate with all these different people about when I would be in where, and then I needed to actually leave meetings at exactly this time in order to have enough time to get to this next one. And I thought, you know, there was just, there was 45 minutes in planning that every day. And I hated that because it's like, and then if anything changed, it's like you have to redo a whole bunch of math. I, I just hated all of it. And, and I kind of envisioned this tool that did it all for me and was just really, you know, it was using a computer to do it. Right. And, mm -hmm. and that's, that's, uh, I, I think that you've hit on why I, a big part of why I did this. And then the follow-up thing, you know, we, we, I, I put that into Badger too. There's a follow-up system in there that like, okay, well, who in this area do I, do I have a follow-up in the next week with as I, cause I'm planning to go to this area. Who do I, so it's like a, you know, to do list on a map, basically a follow-up list on a map. And, you know, I, I, the reason I did this, I think, is because I'm weird with time. I hate time. I hate, I hate, mm -hmm. I don't wear a watch. I don't like being on time. I don't like worrying about time. I just don't like time. And, yeah. but it's like, a, it's such an important part of, of sales and feet, certainly field sales was, was this like coordination and timing of it. And I always found that to be stressful and difficult. And I felt like yeah. I was, I spent a ton of time like juggling it and I felt like it was all stupid and I, and just a waste of my, I thought it was a waste of my time, basically. <laughs> there we go. There we go. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting about what, I mean, when it comes to, comes to any kind of behavioral change in, in people, it, it will either come from, all right, I want to avoid that or I want to experience that. And, you know, I want to avoid it. That's the pain. I want to experience it. That's pleasure. 
pain or pleasure, one of the two that's happening. Um, often people will do more to avoid that pain to, than, than it is to, to experience pleasure. Uh, but in terms of that, it's, well, I know that I'm not wanting to experience that. This is where, you know, you're able to solve people's challenges, just like you're, you're doing with the, with the software that you have. Um, you know, solving somebody's challenge is going, well, I hate that. Maybe other people hate that as well. Um, and I think this is where if you, can, if you can line up, and I think taking this one step further, those of you listening in, if you can line up what you're wanting to experience on a behavioral level, so these are, you know, the values that you're wanting to experience, for example. Um, so I, you know, I want the, yours could be, maybe it is, uh, I, I want the freedom to be able to, um, to live my life. And so then I'm not even needing to focus on time. I'm simply able to free, I'm free to be able to experience whatever I want to experience. Um, and so that allows the space to be able to focus on the things that you're, that you're great at. You know, for me personally, I, I know for me and the lifestyle that I've developed has been about freedom, adventure, fun, happiness, laughter. I'm about impact, about curiosity, about creativity. These are all the things that I'm wanting to experience. And if you see my life, I live a fully nomadic lifestyle. Um, so I live in five to 10 different countries each year. Um, this year, maybe it's a few less. I don't know. This year. <laughs> it's, three, it's three so far. So I, I, I got three in before, it, before the shutdown happened. So I, I, think, I think it should still get to six or seven um, by the end of the year. But um, you know, that, that's something in terms of that. It's a minimalist lifestyle. It's, you know, from a creativity point of view, I live in different locations around the world to write new music uh, while continuing to work with people. You know, all of my, all the clients that I work with in terms of from a coaching capacity is all done virtually like this. It has been for six years now. Um, it's been, how can I experience even more of that? And so for those of you tuning in, uh, understanding what you're wanting to experience, and then if there are certain things that, you're, you know, within the role that you have, you're still needing to do certain things that you're maybe not wanting to do. That's where you want to see how can I delegate? How can I outsource um, to a piece of software, for example, like your software, you know, using that as an example, is how, how can I off, you know, delegate out those things that don't bring me pleasure to ensure that I am now experiencing a sales role that allows me to be extraordinarily high performing while also enjoying it. Mm -hmm. Because if I can get both of those met and in addition to that, solve the client's needs, you know, that to me is a really sustainable model. You know, I, I look at my own life where I, I can do, I, I look at it and go, I'm going to be doing this like into my, hopefully, ideally, as long as I'm still sane, <laughs> is, uh, you know, into my 70s, 80s, maybe even into my 90s. Um, because it's like, I, it's just, it lights me up. And so if you can find that and have that within your sales role, so that every conversation that you're having, every cold call you're making, every follow-up step that you're taking, if you're doing all of those things and that's in alignment with what you're wanting to experience on a personal level when it comes to your own purpose, you line both of those up that's alignment. Yeah. You align that up. You've got a, such a competitive advantage over somebody who doesn't have that, who's only doing it for the money, for example, or is just having to try and motivate themselves to get, get it done. You know, you'll be able to beat them long-term. And that's, you know, when it comes to long-term sales is a long-term game. Um, you know, you want to look at how am I going to generate a opportunities from this ongoing over and over and over again? 
Um, and even if it's only a one-off purchase, how can I generate referrals from that client or, part, or potential partnerships, different ways to collaborate? There are relationships that you should be building for the longer term, five, 10, 15, 20 years. Um, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's how I continue to build my relationships and it's, it continues paying dividends. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, those, it, it really is the network and the relationships that are so important when you, uh, when you step back and look at what you're accomplishing. It, one thing jumped out at me that you said there too, was the thinking about outsourcing to software, to people. I think that salespeople don't do this enough. They don't look for, there, there's a software solution for almost every problem the salesperson encounters, right? Like any kind of repetitive thing. And when there's not, if there's some kind of repetitive thing they're doing, um, I think companies should, and or even just a salesperson on their own dime, should it, it would benefit from hiring someone, you know, a, a personal a personal assistant that you know lives in Pakistan or India or. Philippines or some 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 place that is has a lower cost of labor and and look to have someone over there who would who, uh, assist and, and enable you to do more I mean if, if, if one thing that I've really learned from from running a, a company and we're not a huge company at this point you know there's 70 employees but one thing I've learned is that you can you can accomplish so much more as a group than you on, on every one of these teams that you know they're there's just different people that are good at different things. And, and uh, if you hire someone to focus on a certain thing and that's their, they, you know, they're kind of coming on to focus on it and do it well, you, you can just, you get so much more done than you ever could as an individual. And, and uh, you know, it, it's uh, that, that one of my, I feel like salespeople don't get to do this enough. Don't get to, they, it's a solo, you know, single wolf in the field activity, but they would benefit so much by, I mean, even just having one inside salesperson supporting every three outside salespeople you have, mm -hmm. just to just to get the get help them with their blocking and tackling, setting more meetings, doing you know, so the company can support that. It can be a it can be a remote role, but I, I think there's there's often value to be unlocked there by by bringing in some uh, some more hands to to work yeah. as a team. I think if you. And there's a couple of exercises that you could do around this for those going, well, you know, is it, is it really worth it? You know, think, first up, think longer term. Then second, like you can do a, a process of two exercises. One is a start, stop, keep list. So the things that I, need to, I know I need to start doing, the things I know I need to stop doing, and then the things I'm going to keep doing. Um, so map out, you go three columns. What am I going to start doing? Uh, you know, there could be some things you go, oh man, yeah, I've, I, I really know I've got to get around to that, but I've been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. Um, and almost anything is better than doing that thing, but you know, you've got to do it. So that's, that's what you've got to start doing. The stop doing can be split into two areas. Stop because man, that's just a complete waste of mine and anybody else's time. Stop delegate is what I know that I want to stop doing that I know still needs to get done, but I'm not the best person for that. Mm -hmm. And then the, then the keep is, right, what are all the things that I know I need to keep doing? So then, you know, the, once you're going through the delegation piece, you could then go, well, could that be delegated to a person or a, or a system, you know, software, for example. And so then it becomes uh, the other part is work out on, on these different stages of what you're great at and what you're just not great at. Um, you know, make a, you could do up a, a section of maybe four. Uh, first up, what are the things that you absolutely hate doing and you are not good at. 
The second of what are you okay at, but you know, you're not really fussed about. The third is like what you really enjoy and you're good at it. And then the, the fourth is you absolutely, there is no one in the world who, who could smash that like you do. Yeah, who could crush it like you do. Like that, like just the, the stuff that's in your element. I know for me, you know, on the, on the, you know, the coaching side um, and then the, uh, the, the music side. So coaching side, when I'm working with CEOs on that side, you know, get me in a performance intensive with them, you know, which is like the full day that I start off with them and, and they're having a massive breakthrough whether they like it or not. <laughs> it a, you know, I, I just know it from, you know, doing this like 10 years now. Um, I know that that's my jam that first, especially first up. Yes. Ongoing, but straight up first up is, you know, that they're going to have something that's been holding them back usually for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Um, and we're going to be breaking through that within that day. I know it. Um, on the music side, I know that, you know, sit me down at a, at a grand piano, you know, usually within an hour, when, when I'm in the right space, within an hour, there's a, there's a killer song that's been written. Yeah. Um, because I know how to get myself into an outstanding space. And then because of the 20 years of writing music now, um, I've got that drill and that system really, really well, well defined. Um, to allow myself to still play in the creativity, but have a great system around it. So like there are a couple of things that I know for me personally, knowing what that is for you, having clarity about that, because they're the things that you are not going to you know, outsource. Uh, and then you go back to, right, the, what are the things, just let's see, there's some low hanging fruit there straight up. Just the things that you really, really hate or dislike a lot. And, and the things and maybe you're not that great at as well, because that's going to be impacting you know, whether it's a, just take out the financial part for a moment, just purely from, I don't want to do this. There's gonna, that is going to impact your productivity. It's going to be impact your performance guarantee. Because if you spend a lot enough time doing something you really don't like doing, are you going to get out the, get, get the best out of yourself? No way. No, you know, you, you can, you can, bring all the motivation that you like but you're still not going to perform as well as what you could if you're spending more of your time in what you're outstanding at and so find and go there right based on that what are some things that i could build in maybe there's a piece of software maybe there's a person like you said outsourcing to, to somebody what are some of the tasks that they could do and then do an analysis on it right yes it would lead to me being more productive in these areas but then also well what would that lead to in terms of increased sales what would that lead to in terms of uh, you know, decrease of expenses or increase, increase, increase of sales? You know, maybe it's decrease of time. Uh, maybe it's increase of time. You know, these different things that you want to actually uh, determine what they are to determine what's the return on investment based on those key areas there. If you can find then some low-hanging fruit where you can get back, maybe it's an hour of your week or two hours or five hours, just from one thing that you really don't like doing, you get the bonus of psychological benefit as well as a, maybe a time benefit as well as so a productivity benefit as well as a financial benefit. Yeah. And so find those first, get those. And then all of a sudden you can go to the next level again and go, right. Maybe in this realm of, yeah, there's things that I'm okay at, but I'm not really fussed about. Maybe there's something in there as well. One way that I've, uh, I've tended to look at this in teams that I'm managing is, when, when you have you know, 10 people on a team, before, when you go to hire your 11th, before you hire your 11th um, salesperson, for example, or marketing person, whatever the team is, mm. it, it's gonna take a minute and think about, well, is there, are there people that we could bring in that support this team that would be 
that would be less costly. I mean, maybe you could, for the cost of one more salesperson, you could hire three people supporting your existing 10 salespeople that were, you know, uh, that, that were enabling them all to grow. So maybe you, you hire one more person and you get 10% more out of that team, but maybe you could hire three people and get 20% more um, out of every single person on that team in terms of results and, and productivity. And yep. uh, whether that's with software, whether that's with um, people supporting them, I, I think that that's a, that's, it's a good time when you're considering a new role on the team is to ask yourself, well, is, is there something that we could take this and, and invest on for this team to support them that would give them that much more uh, productivity and capability? Uh, that's always been a way that I've kind of thought, uh, a, a yardstick that I've always used in a way I've always yeah. thought about it. I think it's, it's, it's a great way to go. And it, it, you know, you could easily do those of you, you know, tuning in here and listening to this, you could, if you're, especially if you're managing a team of, of people is, is you could you know, do out and it could just be a, a rough piece of paper. You know, you have, you have your steps in your sales process, you step them out and then, and then put into you. So you could have them st split into columns and then put into them who, who rocks it at this level? Yeah. At, at this stage. Um, and you can maybe even have it. I'm just thinking off the fly on the, on the fly here, split into a second one of who really struggles with this. Yeah. Because then you can start to see, okay, you know, you might have seven of your, seven of your sales, sales teams who love the, the cold call process and just love the hunting and just get out and make it happen. Uh, and then, and then, you know, on the other end of the spectrum is they really, they really pour a follow up and follow through. And so then you've got an imbalance there where if you haven't got anybody who's great at follow up and follow through, then all of a sudden that's where a gap is in the process that these guys, if they could spend more time here, could get more, could get more bookings, could get more, more appointments, but they're having to spend time here where they don't even enjoy it. And this way you can actually inter interview your team as well, because you want to, you want to ask them not only what they're great at, but what they enjoy doing. Yeah. Because ideally you want to have a, a, to have a, to me, to have a high performing sales force is to have a sales force. That's really loving what they're doing. And if they're doing things that they really don't like doing, that's holding them back from one generating the amount of performance that they, that they want to generate Two, like, going home going, you wouldn't believe what I got to do today. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's what you want, right? And so if you can split that out and work out, yes, within, you, within your team at the moment, create some form, of some form of a matrix there and understand where are the gaps and then where can we fill that with either other people that are in the team, other software that's available right now, and then the third one, which is, you know, somebody else into the team that could fill a specific part of the sales process that could, as you mentioned, Steve, allow our heavy hitters in who may, might be reaching out cold calling to absolutely perform in their element. So, yeah. so, strategy, so strategy goes a long way here of, of rather than just going, oh yeah, we need more salespeople. It's like, well, what, what area of the sales process is missing? Um, what kind of person do we need there? What strengths do they need to have? What, what, is, what are their low points? Um, because everyone has strengths, everyone has weaknesses. And, and get strategic about that. Um, you know, what's, what's it going to cost if we don't get a person like that in place? Oh, well, it means, you know, John and, and, and uh, Tracy are going to be spending time in this part of the process. And they, 
they, they told us they don't like doing that. Yeah, they're, they're really poor. Like they, they let us know that. A place that I see this naturally breaking down. So if you have, you know, a sales team of 12 people and they're all, um, they're all in, they're all doing kind of the same role. And that role is from everything from generating new business. So the, generating the lead and reaching out to managing the full sales cycle through from like interest to close and then also managing your the existing customers which is how a lot of companies structure something right they have one salesperson that does everything from finding the customer to managing the customers ongoing orders if one strategy can be to split that up into different roles and where you see that often happen is you'll see a team have some people generating the leads you know making the initial calls or the initial drop buys but actually getting those initial meetings set and you have another set of people who are managing the sales cycle from interest to signature on paper. And you have another individual who is managing the, the deployment and managing the customer relationship going forward. So if you had that team of 12, you know, probably depends on how much work goes into each one of those things for your individual company, but you could split it four, four and four. Mm. And by just having people specialize into those areas, and so now you're covering the whole ter- you're, you're, the whole state that you were covering. You were covering, you know, Colorado with 12 people. Now you're you're, you're cutting. You're, you're four of them are. It's almost like you have four teams of three people, and each one of those is covering the the, the lead generation, man, the management of the sales cycle, and then the ongoing relationship with the customer because they're all kind of different skills. And a lot of companies would would see an efficiency lift out of out of that level of specialization. Yeah, totally, and and this you can get this down into a, into an even smaller sales team as well. So it could be it could be twelve, it could be larger, but it can also be. Um, don't think that this is limited to to uh, you know a, a larger team where you know I've got a, one of my clients who's got a couple of people within within her her specific team that report to her, and. Uh, and yet, you know, it's it, they, they've got a, just a nice little nucleus of of what working together based on their strengths. You know, she's great hunting, you know, reaching out, getting that, getting that going, and then and then a lot of the back end stuff they're doing, yeah, because yeah, she that's just not not her ultimate strength. Um, mm-hmm. it happens to be their ultimate strength, and so beautiful, great relationship, and so yeah, I think that by the, the efficiencies absolutely can increase when when you've got the parts of the system working at their ultimate efficiency makes perfect sense, right? It's you're, you've got a, a machine that is a well-oiled machine that every single part in that process is working to its ultimate capacity. Um, because if it's not, then you're missing out on sales because maybe, it, maybe the follow-up doesn't, the follow-through doesn't happen. Uh, maybe the negotiation phase isn't there. Maybe the, the reach out isn't there as it needs to be. So you're not even getting enough, through the pipeline to begin with um there are so many ways in which a sales process can break down and just one step in that process is can be enough to break trust mm-hmm. you know one thing i really wanted to have you talk about was some some of the stuff that you talk about the alignment um alignment between your personal and your professional life so how, how, how can a field salesperson think about that balance and keeping that in alignment and what are the benefits of that yep definitely so when it comes to i mean first and foremost take a step back from your role and look at your own life understand everybody is different here as you know for me i i don't i don't have kids uh 
you know, so traveling the world and doing all of that, that's my lifestyle. Um, you want to find what your version of that is. Oh, my version, which is traveling the world, living in places that have grand pianos in them, writing new music on them, coaching people that are in different locations, living in five different, different countries, visiting my family in Outback Australia. All of that has been very specifically designed because it's aligned to what I'm wanting to experience. And so the first step is understand what is it that I want to experience? For me personally, adventure, I mentioned before, adventure, freedom, fun, happiness, laughter, um, impact, creativity, curiosity. They're the pieces that I want to experience. What do you want to experience? Is it more you know, time from a family point of view? Is it, uh, is it some things that you're wanting to experience personally? Are you, you know, is there something about impact for you? Because that's going to start to determine what kind of field sales role you're in. Yeah? Uh, what kind of company that you're working for. Uh, maybe it's the company you're with now. Maybe there's actually not an alignment there. And it's, you're only going to get clear on that when you get clear on what you actually want. So first step, understand what you're wanting to experience. Then the second part is, okay, based on what I'm wanting to experience, what could I do within my role? Or maybe take it one step further. What could I do within a, in a field sales role that would allow me to experience what I want? On the other end of the spectrum, you know, getting even greater, grander again, is field sales what you really want to do? <laughs> you know, is that conducive to what you're wanting to experience? I know for, you know, for me personally, for example, um, you know, the, the lifestyle that I've chosen to live is very conducive to me running a company. Um, and then supporting the team that I have in helping them to achieve their dreams, um, which is, you know, how I'm supporting them is very conducive to them working within an organization. So there's no right or wrong in terms of like, running a company, being a field sales rep, another role within a company. It's understanding first and foremost what it is that you want to experience and then making sure that, that the role that you are in is aligned to what is going to allow you to experience fulfillment and the achievement of those things that you're wanting to experience. Because if you're not, man, that's a lot of time to spend not doing something that's aligned to your ultimate purpose. We spend far too much time working not to enjoy what we're doing. And so figuring that out, get the alignment there because again, then you're going to enjoy it more. You're going to sell more because you're going to believe in it. Uh, and you're going to be sustainably managing your energy as well because it's aligned to what your fulfillment is. Make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I often tell people that it's important to, uh, to align. You, you want to get a job that is both um, obviously going to pay you and, mm -hmm. and is going to be an, an, employ, an employment as opposed to a hobby, right? I, I can't be a professional snowboarder because, you know, I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm just not good at it enough at it. See what? You want to find a job. I can't be any kind of snowboarder. <laughs> <laughs> you you want to you want to be uh, you want to pick something that you're great at and uh, and that, that you you truly are, are that you are truly uniquely great at and and maybe it's something a lot of people are great at but you're you but it's something that you really are great at and something that you really enjoy because yep. if you, if you find the union of something that will pay you you're great at it and you really enjoy it then that, that's often going to be a fantastic career path for you because yes. that's, that gets everything in alignment and, and you'll be more motivated. You'll, 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 you'll just, you'll perform better and, and you'll enjoy yourself more. And I think that's, that's kind of the, if you don't, the, 
you know, there are, there are an awful lot of people who end up in a job because it's a job and, uh, you know, uh, it, they don't enjoy it, but they're good at it maybe because they, it's like, well, you know, they went to law school and so they became yeah. a lawyer, but they actually don't enjoy practicing the law, but now they're a lawyer or they, you know, they went to accounting, they, they majored in accounting because it, you know, it was a, a good major to do. They knew there were jobs in it. And then they got out and five years later, they're like, I am an accountant and I do not enjoy sitting yeah. here adding up all these numbers all day. I just, I don't like it. I don't, it's not what I think is fun. Long term, I think you're just not going to enjoy yourself or your life as much and if you, if you stay totally. doing that thing that you're good at, but you don't enjoy. Yeah. I, I think as well, man, is that, that that's a recipe for regret. It's a recipe for regret. And that's, to me, especially in today's day and age where there, there, there is an opportunity to create what you want to create, whatever that is. You know? And uh, that, that's, that's an absolute belief that I have. Uh, and if it's, you know, to, to be able to be, you know, if it's in being in field sales, for example, to be able to be with a company that's in alignment with what you believe and that allows you to, uh, to make a great living, absolutely, and to enjoy it. You know, I, and, and get paid for it uh, because like, like you mentioned, like otherwise it just becomes a hobby and, and that's a different conversation for us to have. Um, it's the reason why, you know, for me personally here, give me an example. Uh, I, I wasn't very keen on, I, I love performing, but I wasn't very keen on setting up the gear, <laughs> taking it down, going to a next location, touring around constantly um, and I didn't see that that was a place where people would hear and understand the lyrics. Um, and so it became, well, how do I build that into somewhere where I can get paid very well for it into the speaking industry, not just now, but, uh, you know, it'll, 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 it'll bounce again. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, but that, that area, uh, in terms of being able to speak on stage with a grand piano, um, get paid very well for it because of the knowledge that I get to share and the wisdom that I you know, have, have built over the years, um, the value that I'm able to provide, um, to have a grand piano on stage with me, which provides a unique point of difference that's both unique and valuable because I'm able to build it in, in a way that's aligned to the topic that I'm speaking on. And so all of a sudden, there's a way of creating enjoyment from something that I really love doing that might've otherwise been out of alignment with how I could get paid for it or get paid for it in a way that I enjoy. So then it becomes, well, how can I blend something that I actually do enjoy and bring that into what I'm actually doing? And so I would challenge each and every one of you listening to this. How can I bring more of the things that I really enjoy into that, which I do for work, you know, in, in, in the, in the sales role, in a way that would allow me to generate an even greater point of difference with the relationships that I have. And what if you're, what if you're a manager, what, what advice would you have for managers of salespeople who want to inspire their reps? Are there, are they, they want to motivate their reps to, to perform at their best? Are there, are there any uh, tips that you'd have there? Any exercises that you would recommend that, yep. that though, that a manager do with their team? So here's, here's what I would highly recommend. If you haven't done this already, if you have, maybe it's a refresher as well. The things that I just mentioned to do, if you're a salesperson, do that with your sales team individually. Because if you can understand what they want, why they want it, what timeframes they want to get it in, 
you've just got their inspiration. And now you can utilize that to help them get that, to achieve that. And it just so happens that you get to achieve your goals at the same time, right? And so if you can understand, right, they want to take, they want to take this, you know, this, this person in the, sales, in the sales team wants to take a trip every year uh, because their family lives over in a different country, for example. Then uh, you know, that's what it is for me, right? I, I go back to Australia for one or two months every single year. Um, if someone was wanting to recruit me, uh, you know, uh, not saying to do that, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm very happy and very satisfied. But if, if you know, let's say, you know, I, I, I love the sales process and I, I love, I love you know, generating sales. If someone was wanting to recruit somebody like myself and I had that as a vision that I, well, I, I need to be able to go back for one or two months, it would be in my best interest as a sales manager to work out how I could make them, how I could help them make that happen. Because if I can help them make that happen, all of a sudden, now I've got a team of people where the vehicle to achieving their dreams is the exact same vehicle for me meeting my sales targets for the company. And that is to me insanely powerful and very sustainable because unless they get an insane offer you know, on the table, they're not leaving because you've got something that allows them to achieve their dreams that goes past just money. I love it. That's fantastic. Well, I've got a, I want to jump into the sales in 60 seconds section where we do quick questions and quick answers here. Let's so do first, it. I'm first question. I'm ready to go. <laughs> what, born ready, right? Born ready. <laughs> so what, what are common mistakes that you see managers make when they try to motivate their team? Uh, I would say either micromanage, you know, too much micromanagement or too much autonomy without structure in place to allow that autonomy to, to be maximized. And what daily habits or rituals should every outside salesperson have? Every outside salesperson have rituals. So are these inside or outside of, outside of um, uh, their role? Just so I know. Either. I mean, it could be oh. personally, could, could be professionally, but for an outside sales rep, what are, what are ha some daily things, habits or rituals that they should, uh, they should have? I think for both personally and professionally anyway, is, is getting, your getting your day off to an outstanding start. Um, and so, you know, knowing what time you're going to be up and making sure that you're in bed by the time to allow that to occur. You know, the getting up early, if that's what you're deciding to do, starts by getting to bed early the night before. Otherwise, you're going to end up tired, sluggish and lethargic for the day. Um, health and well-being. Get healthy, nutritious food, plenty of water, exercise, these basic foundations, and then upgrading that to the next level. Once you get a new foundation in place, then upgrading again and again and again. These pieces is what's going to allow you to show up at your absolute best um, in any interaction that you're having. That's so important because it can be just one interaction that goes, oh, I don't know what it, what it is about this person. I know this is this is got in 60 seconds, so I'm going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that was great. That was about 60. Awesome. So. What, what about habits that salespeople should avoid when they want to try to stay inspired and, and motivated? Uh, anything that doesn't work. And what I mean by that is that each of you listening to this have different ways for inspiring yourself, 
have different habits for to install that can help you perform at a really high level. Some of you might be able to, uh, you know, do, I, I personally do these 50 minute sprints uh, where for 50 minutes I'm focused on one specific task and one specific task only. For others, you might go, you know what? I'm going to do that for 90 minutes instead. And so whatever is working, but then also whatever is not working, get rid of that because that's going to demotivate you. And this is where it becomes what we talked about before. Like learn what works for you, but also understand what isn't and what is less productive use of your time and work out how you can stop doing that. Whether that's just stopping it altogether because it's a limiting pattern of behavior that you're executing on right now or stopping it by delegating. And we're kind of throwing around these two terms, um, motivation and inspiration, um, almost as if they're synonymous. But I, I, could you tell me what the difference is between motivation and inspiration for you? For, for me, it's push and pull. Um, motivation is, it's a great, it's a great thing to, to put in place when you just got to get stuff done. Yeah. And may, maybe you just don't, you're not inspired during that time. That's a great time for, for motivation to occur. But motivation to me should, should only ever be utilized short term um, and then replenish your energy again. Inspiration, on the other hand, to me is like an underlying current that should be with you at all times or at least as, as often as possible. It is the, the purpose that is pulling you along. And that's what's going to allow you, you're inspired. You just, you just think about it. You know, if you're having to motive, I've got to motivate myself to get this done. It's like, rah, 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 push, push, push. Yeah. Inspiration. I'm feeling inspired, man. I can go all day. I can go all day like this. Yeah. Pull along. Yeah. So know what you're needing in the moment. If you're needing some push energy, get yourself pumped up with some music, for example. Um, you know, do whatever you need to do to get yourself into the, in the zone to absolutely crush it in that, in that regard. If on the other hand, you need more purpose, you need more inspiration, then potentially you need to chunk up to be able to get that sense of purpose. Very interesting. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of, uh, there, there's wisdom, there's wisdom here for a lot of managers to think about how you motivate your team um, versus how you can provide an environment where they can be inspired. Because the inspiration yeah. I feel like needs to come from within them. It really, yeah, it, you know, the, the thing I mentioned there just really quickly, I think it's really important that most people think they want it, they need motivation, they need inspiration. Mm. Yeah, the, the, uh, the, the beating the quota and the paycheck at the end of it is motivation, but the, you know, being excited about helping your customers, you know, improve their lives and their, and their companies with their, with the, product or service you provide would be more inspiration. I agree. And it allows you to do it in a much longer fact, you know, much more sustainable long-term fashion um, versus it just being very, very short-term and tr transactional. Um, you want to think longer term, you want to, you know, nurture the relationships, you want, you know, go through the sales cycle. And if it is, you know, yes, there is a time and a place for motivation because, you know, there are deadlines and, and uh, certain quotas that you've got to hit. Uh, but you've got to have that underlying current taken care of. You, if you can truly get that, um, that's a, it's a magical place to have as a foundation to build with motivation on top of that. Yeah. And I, and I've, I've had sales jobs that were not inspirational, but, but they were motivational and, and they're, they're, they're just not places you want to be for the long, for the long term. I think, you know, you got to yeah. believe in the thing that, that believe in the product or service that you're selling and you've got to, 
you know, deep down in your heart, you have to, I, for me at least, I have to feel like the world's a better place after, after I, every time I make a sale or else it's, uh, or, or else I think it's hard to, it's hard to feel inspired. Yeah. It's a uh, recipe for burnout as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, what's the key lesson or message that you try to get across to all sales teams that, that you coach? Mm. I, I one of the major ones is an absolute focus on, on long-term relationships. I think there's some, a lot of people, this notion of giving freely without expectation, knowing that I'm going to get taken care of in some way, shape or form. That is such a, I found a remarkable way to build relationships because most people I found that they are, they are giving, but unconsciously they're doing it to get something. If you can truly become the field sales rep that is genuinely giving freely without expectation, knowing full well that you're going to get taken care of and then trusting in your system that you built, that is a, a rock solid foolproof system, trusting in the system, then it allows you in any interaction that you're having to truly give fully and freely to that without the need for anything in the return. And that is, is a really attract when you look at it from a, like an, like almost like an energy point of view within sales. If, if somebody's pushing for the sale, you know, you just say, imagine if someone like pushes their hand towards you, you want to pull back. But if you're giving freely without the need for anything in return, it's again, it's almost like a pull. It's a draw towards. Mm -hmm. And as long as you've got a killer process in place, because if you do that alone, then people can just run all over you and take full advantage of you. But if you have a really robust system in place to go with that, that's to me is, is, is the game. Yeah. And a lot of field salespeople are really well positioned to do this, I think, because like if you sell to, you know, you sell a, a medical device to dentists, for example, you are seeing hundreds of dentist offices. And so there's a bunch of things that you can learn about their business and best practices that you can understand as you talk to all these different people that then you can kind of spread around to other people. You can kind of say, Hey, I learned this from this guy. And, and so I, you know, I thought I'd mention it to you and you can kind of create yes. these, the, create value, even though it doesn't actually have anything to do with your product or service. You're just, so you, you want to sell them a medical device ultimately professionally. But if you figure out like, how a waiting room should be laid out or you, you yep. figure out that they can capture more value if they cut, cut a deal with these guys over here. And if you can bring them more value of that nature and, and they, they don't know, you know, 300 other dentists in their, in their area. Those are their competitors. A lot of times, right? You know, 300 dentists. And, and so there's all a field salesperson is really well positioned to do, to do what Cameron's talking about here. I think, and that, you know, that you can find some area of value and then, give it freely and that will that will come back to you because now you're a, a person that they enjoy doing business with they you're you've yes. been helpful to them you've given to them and so when it comes time to buy you know this med device or that med device you, you're definitely in the game if you taught them about how to you know the how the best way to to manage uh their their uh, their appointment setting systems you know maybe yep. you were able to save them a ton of time and money because you knew about an appointment setting system that they didn't know about that you brought to them and just told them about this is i mean this is such an important part of the conversation here if you if you guys can 
listening in, if you, if you can truly get grasp this, because it is, it seems like such a small shift and it's almost like you're doing it currently, but it is, it is a mental, but it's a psychological shift where it is a genuine, I don't need anything from you right now or ever. And if you can do that again with the, with a robust system, what you mentioned there, there are so many opportunities to be of value. Like one of the things that I'll, I'll usually ask in, in a call, whenever I have a call with someone is, you know, what are the challenges that you're going on right now? You know, it could be personally, it could be professionally. I built out a, a, a bunch of, a bunch of, uh, your knowledge over the past number of years, you know, love, would love to be of service if I can. And often there's stuff that's going on personally. There could be something around their weight. Well, I have, I have some solutions that I'm in great shape right now. Um, something completely separate to what I, what I was going to, what we were even talking about that, that has been because you never know, you never know who John in accounts knows. Mm -hmm. You never know who the person at the reception desk knows and i i had a personal experience of this uh somebody who is at very entry level position and we connected on linkedin i didn't judge you know what title they had we ended up having a phone call there was only one person that this person knew one person that they could introduce me to that person happened to introduce me to uh, a bunch of others. <laughs> it has led to hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of business for the company just from that one person that if I hadn't taken the time to go and, and on that call, there was no intention other than simply let me have a conversation. Now, there was strategy around it. And this is where the system part of it comes in because that person was in alignment with my target market, but I didn't need it to come from that specific person. I knew with the system that I had in terms of reach out, you know, cold reach out to then building in relationships, then having conversations to then closing the deal that it was going to come from somewhere, but I didn't need it to come from a specific person which allowed me to give fully and freely to that conversation and be a value, which left an impression on that person, which then led to the introduction. All right. Well, now I've got a new title for your book. How about, how about sales karma? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> can we, can we build in like sales, for, sales karma and then maybe a subtitle having some form of chunking up in there. Yeah. <laughs> both, both. yeah then, then it could be, title and subtitle dedicated to Steve. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what you're saying is really powerful here. I think, you know, and it's got, it's got me thinking about, about my life too. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, and, and how I like sales strategies that I've used and, and thinking about them through that, through that lens. And it's definitely, uh, it, it's definitely relevant, really powerful mm. stuff. Well, Thanks, what would man. you say as an, to, to move this into to move this into action, yep. what should a field salesperson who's listening today do as their very first step to getting started on using these types of high performance strategies that you're talking about today? Yep. So I would say uh, first of all, just carve out 30 minutes of your time. Understand what you really want. Yeah. List it out first and foremost. Second is. I mentioned before, have a piece of paper for the things that fire you up when you're low performing that get you into high performance, high performance mode. Um, have that in a place where you can see it every single day. 
because otherwise it's just you're going you're gonna to get left by the wayside. The third is then, I think you asked for one step, these are three. That's <laughs> okay. One A, one B, one C. Then the, the, the simple, I, like I share this, this process, like the focus switch. I learned this 10 years ago in, in my first training around, you know, from a coaching point of view of how to help clients. It is still one of the most powerful because I think of its simplicity. Whenever you notice yourself focus, you know, you're getting or experiencing something that you're not wanting to experience, switch your focus. Go, ah, I notice that I'm focusing on something that I don't want. What do I want? Then what's one action? Take it from the list, yeah, that you've just created. Take it from the list. What's one action that I can take that would lead me and spring me into the action that I need right now to get what I'm wanting to experience? That's very tactical. So we go from big picture abstract, what I want, purpose, down to what allows me to perform, then in the moment when you're experiencing some challenging situations, that's a process for being able to switch it and then utilize those, those things that you've listed out to get yourself back into a really great state. Well, I'm going to attempt to summarize everything that we've talked about here today, um, which is gonna be tricky and to do in two <laughs> minutes. But so we started out talking about motivation and motivation is a push type energy and there's only so far that you can go on motivation before you burn out. And that's why salespeople must also find inspiration, which is a pull type energy, to figure out what is the, what purpose you're bringing and finding a reason to make things happen. Um, when, you, when you're experiencing something negative, try the focus switch. So, what that means is understand what you're feeling and th that is negative. And then think of a time when you were on fire or very happy and think of how you can get to that feeling. Write down what makes your energy drop and write down what you could do to get your energy to spike. And you can also try getting up and moving or switching your surroundings or your environment. Make a start, stop, and keep list to focus on your strengths and increase your productivity. So what does that mean? That means you write down what you're gonna start doing, you write down uh, what you're gonna stop doing because it's a waste of time or because you're gonna, you, you wanna stop doing it and, and then you delegate that thing that you wanna stop to someone else or you get a tool to do it or you just stop doing it if you don't have to. Um, note what you're okay at, what you're good at, and then think about what you're really great at and also note what you hate and what you're not great at. So you look at all these things and in, in, in all these lists and look for ways to delegate or find solutions for these things that you could stop doing or you'd like to stop doing or that you're not great at slash what you hate and, and look, look for a way to, to stop doing these, delegate them or, um, or uh, et cetera, and then that will increase your productivity because you're spending more time focused on what you're great at. And you can do this at an individual level, and if you're managing a team, you can do this on a whole team level. Um, if you, it, 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 to have a high-performance sales, sales team, you wanna make sure that your team loves what they're doing. You wanna lay out each team member's strengths and weaknesses, and you wanna ask each team member what they think they're good at and what they really enjoy. Then see how you can place each team member in a role that suits them and then 
hire around them to, feel, to fill the gaps. Salespeople can align their motivation on their professional and personal lives if they understand what they want to experience and they think about what they can do in their field sales role to experience those things that, uh, that they want to experience. And then the salesperson should also focus on what they want to achieve beyond just the money to really stay inspired and motivated. These have been some really, uh, some really intense and heavy thoughts, Cameron. We've all, we've all got some, some soul searching to do after this one. <laughs> Tell me, where, where can our listeners read more about your work? How can they learn more from you? Where, where can they reach out to you? Yep, definitely. So uh, CameronBrown.co co is the website where it has uh, yeah, plenty, of, plenty of stuff there. Uh, on social, LinkedIn's a great place to connect. Make sure you send a personal note if you reach out to connect. Um, otherwise, uh, first up, it's just a nice thing to do. Um, and you should do it anyway. <laughs> you should be doing it if you're a field sales rep. Uh, but two, it allowed it allow me to know where you've come from um, so that it's, uh, yeah, otherwise, uh, yeah, you may not get accepted. So um, <laughs> that's the cold hard truth. Uh, I'm very selective with who I, who I accept there now. And so that's there in terms of the other channels you can follow on things like YouTube, so uh, Insta, uh, Facebook, Cameron Brown Real is the handle. Well, uh, I really appreciate you coming on today, Cameron. Uh, this has been a fantastic episode of the Outside Sales Talk. If anyone can think of other sales reps that would benefit from the things that, that Cameron's been talking about here, forward this episode on to them. Always uh, please leave a rating because that, uh, that helps, helps us spread the word. Take care until next time, everybody, and thanks for coming on, Cameron. Thanks, man.